Hi again, Dan Blakely with another edition of What Barry's Talking About. Beginning in December, the finish line to 2022 Insight, Christmas at the three-quarter pole. So let's talk about Christmas trees. Still some supply issues that go back a few years and will likely take a few more to set straight. We'll get a state of the pines from a local grower. The DIY online Christmas market is back, a local group making it easy for you to find some unique gift ideas, many of them handmade, and we meet Plex, a local indigenous hip-hop artist. But first, the new city council is in session with a new mayor and Alex Nuttall looking to help the city grow, endure, and prosper. The very Chamber of Commerce, one of many organizations that works with council to keep the city moving forward. Paul Markle, the chamber's executive director, joins us with his hopes for the next four years. Our wishes are the same as the, any citizen in the city. You know, we want to see a cohesive council that um, focuses on the tasks that are theirs and, and that uh, continue to make sure that the city grows appropriately. Lots of challenges coming up with uh, the expansion into our southern lands. You can see that stuff. You know, as, as Mayor Lehman had always claimed, it's uh, the year of the crane has come a little uh, little later. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a bright future. There's a lot to manage for this council coming in. Um, certainly some budget concerns. Some of the promises that Alex has made with tax freezes are sort of uh, juxtaposed with uh, police services looking for some fairly large increases. It'll be interesting to see how this council handles that. Anything in particular that you're going to be watching for uh, from a chamber point of view, from a business point of view? You know, quite honestly, I, I want to see them listening. I want them to in, you know, engage again with the business community and, and be listening to, uh, to their concerns. Uh, not to say that the last council and last uh, mayor didn't. I think they, they worked very well with, uh, with business. But I want to see more of the same. Um, that uh, collaboration that we found through the uh, pandemic is something that I think had a lot of benefits. Um, and, and you can see a lot of the infrastructure growth within the ecosystem, you know, strengthening. Sandbox Center is uh, doing wonderful things. Henry Burnick Center, uh, you know, small business center. You know, we all work in, in, uh, in concert and, and we all have our part to play. But uh, that also relies on the city being good partners with us as well. And that was, uh, as you say, pretty visible during the pandemic. You, you got into that whole Choose Local campaign, which was uh, very, very uh, successful and, and, and helped a lot of local businesses get through. Absolutely. A number of initiatives that we ran through the, uh, the pandemic. The I Choose Local campaign was fantastic. You know, we had over 11 million impressions on that, uh, on that particular campaign that uh, basically you know, was uh, to educate people on why they should be putting their dollars on the ground in Barrie and in, in, uh, in our region. Super important. I think, you know, maybe it started to change some buying habits. Certainly our rapid screening program was was effective as well to get businesses back open. And we had some pretty solid advocacy that kind of happened behind the scenes to make sure that when they pulled the emergency break, we got back open quickly. So, or as quickly as possible. You know, and again, that was all in, in concert with working with the city and the different partners there. And, and I, you know, I am optimistic that that will be uh, what happens moving forward. Alex, uh, Alex has always been uh, receptive and open, and and uh, again, the councillors that are staying on have have uh, again reiterated to me that they're excited about working with this new mayor. And for new councillors, uh, and uh, you uh, are pretty excited about uh, being able to work with them. Yeah, you know, again, excited to see a change, obviously in Ward Two. Um, you know, with Craig Nixon coming in, I think he's got a solid background and and uh, will bring a, a different perspective to the downtown core. Amy Corser's Kurs- done some significant work in the city. And I think we'll, we'll continue that on. Uh, Nagiz, Nagiz, I, I don't know him very well. Uh, but from what I've seen, I think he's, uh, he's got a different approach. And uh, obviously, Bryn Hamilton in Ward 10 will bring, uh, you know, uh, has an important job to do as that uh, part of the city expands and grows. So, yeah, again, I'm really excited to see 
uh, this change on the council. I hope it works a little bit more cohesively than last one did. Well, it's nice when nearly half the council is new, so you get some fresh ideas, some some new ideas that uh, they're going to throw around and uh, get into some discussions at the council table. Oh, without a doubt. I think fresh eyes, um, you know, especially in a city that's expanding as quickly as Barrie, are needed. You know, you have to you have to get. Uh, different different viewpoints, uh, you know, from um, and, and from different levels of experience. So, again, you know, my my wish, and I believe the wish of every business in the city, is that they stay focused on the core issues that uh, that make the biggest difference. You know, the, the the why is bigger than the what, and I need them to continue to stay focused on the why and, and make sure that uh, the, the priorities are reflected in the decisions they make. Our thanks to Paul Markle, Executive Director of the Barrie Chamber of Commerce, for joining us this week. For more information about the Chamber, log on to barrychamber.com. Nothing like the smell of a fresh Christmas tree in the house this time of year. You got yours yet? The selection at big box stores and corner lots last year was a little lean and prices higher than we'd been used to. What's happening this year? Barry 360's Ian McLennan tracked down Doug Drysdale at Drysdale's Tree Farm in Egbert to get the lay of the land. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus, but is there a Christmas tree? People have heard reports nationwide, a shortage of inventory, according to tree farmers. Doug, you're an expert. How bad is it? Well, it's not, we're not necessarily low at the farm for people to come and get a tree, but it, from an industry standpoint, there is a shortage of trees, and, that, and there will be for another, I'd say, at least five or six years. Because, because trees take eight to ten years to grow, it isn't something that can be replenished in one year. So the problem has been back in the recession of like 2008 to 14, people got out of the tree business, stopped planting trees, and now we're seeing the effects of that and not having a supply that normally would have been there if the planting levels had stayed the same. Now, does this shortage impact all types of Christmas trees, or is it a specific type of Christmas tree? No, it's, it's everything. Everything. If, if, it's a, if, it's, if it's six feet and looks good and it's green, we'll call it a Christmas tree, and they're in short supply. It doesn't matter if it's a balsam, a Fraser, a pine, a spruce. It just, there just isn't the numbers of trees available that there used to be. And, and an example locally, just to, you know, for the people in Barrie, because Midland and Penetang and LaFontaine area, you know, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, there was probably 200,000 Christmas trees a year supplying the Ontario market just from that one area. And, and now there's, there might be 10. So it's, it's one twentieth of what the supply was from that area. And that, when you look at, you know, how the population has expanded, and things have changed. It's just a, it's a perfect example of supply and demand. And uh, the supply right now is low, and it will continue to be low um, for at least five or six more years. You can't even buy seedlings to plant. Like, say you decided to, I'm going to plant 200 trees, and I'm going to get in the tree business. Well, you can't get the seedlings. They're not available either. So you can't just say, I'm going to fix this myself. It's just—it's an industry problem that t- is going to take a long time. I've been doing this. I've seen this up and down like three times in my life, and right now it's going to take a little bit longer for the for the supply to catch up. 
and it might never catch up because demand seems to be growing faster than supply. For the consumer, of course, the big worry, is there a trickle-down effect in terms of the price now we're going to pay for a Christmas tree? So Christmas trees is no different than any other product. It's going to go up. If everything, if there was all things being equal and the supply was uh, able to satisfy the demand, the prices would still go up because of all the added costs that everybody is paying for everything. On top of that, if you throw in the fact that, oh, there's a shortage as well, so that drives the price up even more. Because Christmas trees are a once-a-year purchase, it's a one-time, once-a-year purchase, if it goes up 10 or $15 a tree, it's not like they're buying a tree every week or they're filling their car up every second day or whatever. So it's, it's a one-time purchase that the public tends to say, okay, you know what, it's Christmas, I'm getting a tree, I don't care if it went up 10 bucks. Everything else went up 10 bucks too, so it's, it's, it's relative. And from a buyer and wholesaler's point of view, Doug, what is the most popular type of Christmas tree that's actually purchased? Well, we have a, we have, we have a balsam Fraser cross that looks like a Fraser and acts like a Fraser. We have some Frasers, we've got balsam, and those are the three species that are the most common and the ones that are most in demand. We also have blue spruce and white spruce. Uh, Norway spruce available uh, for people to come and cut. This farm's pretty big. It's uh, 480 acres, and there's and we're planting here all the time. We don't harvest anything off this farm uh, except to kind of clean a field up to get ready to plant it next year. And so we want to have you know an endless supply of trees here at the farm for the consumer to come in. Uh, and get a tree, and, and so it's it's a bit of a trick, but we seem to be able to, you know, we're keeping our head above water on that respect. But on the wholesale side of it, you know, there's I just I have customers, wholesale customers that are that are, we've been supplying with trees for 70 years, like three generations, and those customers we still have, and but we're not I'm not looking for any new wholesale customers, even though, you know, there's if you had. If I had 100,000 more trees, I could probably sell them in a week. That's how much, how strong the demand is. The family picked one up last weekend at a big box lot. Nice seven-footer, 50 bucks. Last year, it was north of 60. What Barry's talking about is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry has to offer and more. We've covered a lot of ground since we began in mid-July, introduced you to Canadian singer-songwriter Elijah Woods, met eight-year-old Morgan Mansfield, who's trying to save the monarch butterfly, and helped a local group find storage space for items collected to help Ukrainian refugees who have made the Barry area their new home. You can get caught up and make it easy to connect in the future by subscribing to what Barry's talking about through any podcast distributor. Still to come on what Barry's talking about, local indigenous hip-hop artist Plex, and where you can get some pretty cool gifts for Christmas giving. Now this. It's for the smiles on their faces. No way! It's for the excitement in their eyes. This is going to be the best Christmas ever! It's about creating memories they'll never forget. When you support the Rock 95 Cool FM Toy Drive... 
You're giving kids in our community the Christmas they deserve. Until December 19th, drop off a new unwrapped toy at participating Canadian Tire Stores in Simcoe County, Toys R Us Stores in Barrie, or donate online at rock95.com. With your generous donation, thousands of children in Simcoe County will feel the love on Christmas morning. Please help give a kid a Christmas. Learn more at rock95.com. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. Started a year ago and is back again. The DIY online Christmas market. A chance to buy some really unique gifts, all of them made locally. Barry 360's MJ gets caught up with market founder Carrie Lynn Embrack. We initially started it when COVID was still going on. And um, I personally wanted to buy locally. And I just didn't really know where to go. So we started doing it just based on that fact alone. It was just really hard to find certain places. And I know you could go on other groups on Facebook, but they weren't zeroed in on people making local products. It was just people could sell anything. So we really wanted to have something that was just that, just people that made local products and it was nothing but that. Um, So that was partially where and why we started that. Then over the past year, we keep getting more and more people asking to join us and to be part of the market. I thought maybe we might have a bit of a slowdown based on the fact that everything has started opening again, but we we haven't. So I think people still like the idea of being able to scroll through and if they're on a break or lunch or after dinner, they can still kind of look through and still shop locally. You guys never really slowed down after the last Christmas season. You guys continue to operate through the whole year. Yeah, so that was never our intention. Our intention was actually just to do the Christmas market. And then it went so well, we thought, why not? So I had done a poll after our very first Christmas market just to kind of ask the members of the group if they wanted it just at Christmas or they wanted just certain times and... They wanted it throughout the year, so so we did that. The support has been amazing. People will go on, and they're just even liking or commenting these vendors, and that was our goal from the get-go, is just to have local vendors even be seen or let people know who they are and see where they've come from. And we've done a lot of things where we'll explain their story and how they got started. And it's inspiring to other people. If you're scared to take a chance, then these people give you the hope that that's possible. You really can do it. And the vendors are so easy to work with, too, because I've purchased a cup, more than a couple things, uh, throughout the year. And and, and it really is. It's it's personalized and it's pretty easy. You just get in contact with them and talk with them personally, right? Yeah, so every vendor has, so we set it up that every vendor has a booth number, and then they also have a time that they schedule their posts. At the bottom of every of their posts, they will have a link to that product or to get in touch with them directly. Of course, like the holiday season, and like you said, people want to um, shop local. Do you think it's so much more important now to sort of keep that money in the community considering, you know, the economic times that we're in? Yeah, 100% I do. This year I'm very excited because one of our vendors is the Season Center for Grieving Children. 
So not only if you purchase their merchandise through them, but you're also supporting another great cause. How many vendors do you have and how many people follow you? We have 30 vendors currently, or just over 30. And then following us, we're almost 1700. Is there anything uh, that I might have missed that you wanted to that you wanted to highlight? This year we are doing a lot of different lives and DIYs, which is kind of exciting. We have a yoga person, there's somebody at the new fitness center I was telling you about stronger together. Um, she'll be doing lives. We have cooking ones. We have Christmas ornament ones. So it'll all be live. I'll put a list of anything that they might need for that so that they can kind of join in. We also still have our giveaways. So 100, every 100 new members, we do a draw. And then the last one is every year at the, or not every year, but every market at the end of our market, our vendors all contribute one of their products to a big giveaway and one member would win that. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Thank you. You can browse dozens and dozens of unique gift ideas, jewelry, do-it-yourself cookie art, candles, ornaments, mugs, wine glasses, and so much more on Facebook at DIY Online Christmas Market. Let's finish this. I'm sick of this. Calling yourself indigenous. Don't even know this. His name is Plex. He's been around but calls Barry home these days. An award-winning hip-hop artist and producer, a major player in the music industry for almost 30 years, raising the bar amongst his indigenous peers. He gets up close and personal with Ari and McLennan. So who is Plex? Uh, Plex is basically my alter ego. He, he gets away with saying a lot more stuff than Doug Bedard gets to say. Um, but, you know, for almost 30 years, I've been, I would say, a staple in the Indigenous hip-hop community and, you know, also a part of the Canadian hip-hop community as well. And now, when we talk about rap, from rappers, I mean, come to mind, you get the M&M, The Weeknd, and... Do you focus on the fact that, you know, you, you're, you're indigenous, you're mm-hmm. an indigenous rapper. Yeah. Uh, is that a label you want or is, are you comfortable with that? For me, it's, it doesn't matter either way. You know, I'm proud of my indigenous roots and it is who I am. It's a, it's been a, a huge part of my experience throughout my life. So I'm only talking about, especially in my music, I'm talking about what I've experienced. So if that includes an indigenous perspective, then, and people want to call it indigenous hip hop, then I'm fine with that. What kind of music did you grow up on and where did it become where you wanted to rap? Well, I grew up on everything. You know, I was raised by my, by my Ojibwe grandfather and my Oji Cree grandmother. And so I had access to my grandfather playing Hank Williams on guitar. And then when I would hang around with my dad, he'd be playing CFCW in, in Edmonton, which was all country. And he was singing along to every song where my mom was listening to like Led Zeppelin and Nazareth and, you know, even Blondie. So I think, where hip hop kind of came in and where I was first exposed to hip hop was probably around 1987. There was a, a an artist, a little known artist named LL Cool J and he had an album called Bigger and Deffer. And once I heard that, I was just blown away by it. And, and prior to that, I, you know, I had some access to breakdancing movies and I really wanted to be into breakdancing. It was really around 87 where I was inspired by these rappers and what they were doing. It was just like magical to me. And you reference Ice T too, um, yeah. as something like a mentor, I guess. Yeah, Ice T was the second album I bought, which was Ice T Power, and I was just just blown away by what they could do. What they could do, you know, it was um, inspiring for me, especially because their life experience was very similar to my my own. But this road that that you've taken has, uh, like a lot of artists too, but um, you've had 
bumps in the road, maybe it's even craters. Tell me a bit about that, uh, where you've had to, you know, grow your music, but also grow yourself, if that's fair to say. Well, you know, I grew up in like, not extreme poverty, but I grew up in poverty. And and where I grew up, I had access to, you know, to kind of appreciate where I was still at because I could see people who were doing, living a harder life than I was. And then also had access to other schoolmates who were who were living a better life. You know, so I, I did have some type of perspective there and was able to kind of appreciate where I was. But, you know, there with living in poverty, it comes with some some stuff like trauma. And, you know, especially when you start to become popular or start making money and you don't know what to do with that, with that type of attention and you know, the ego starts to blow up. And eventually I kind of gave into like an addictive lifestyle, you know. So for me, I think that uh, that was the the tough part of it all but I was able to kind of make a comeback over time. You know, I didn't really want to let the the gift of music to slip away from me. And I was watching others that I had worked with started starting to succeed with it. And it inspired me to kind of just turn that, turn that life around or at least make the effort to, and take the early steps to it. And your roots are based in Edmonton. So that's where it all began. Yeah. So spent 30 years in Edmonton. I've been here for the last 11 and uh, yeah, my son was born here. My kids go to school here and we, we love, we love Barry, but you know, there's still all that life experience I had in Edmonton. And a lot of times I like to, you know, I mean, maybe it's not the most no, humble approach, but I like to call myself a voice to the voiceless. And I think that there's still some, some, some things that need to be said about you know, my, my experience in Edmonton and people who could benefit from that. Would you call it a career in terms of uh did you want a message all the time? And what, what sort of messaging was there? If, if, if that was your goal, one of your goals? Well, I mean, if you go back far enough and I won't usually make that stuff available, but the early stuff we were doing was talking about like kind of like a street life, you know, like we're from the streets. We're tougher than you. We're more gangster than you. And, you know, I've kind of put that stuff on the, on the shelf, like, you know, buried it a little bit, but it was around 2007, 2008, where I started to, you know, want to try to, say something with a message, you know, hip hop is rooted in being a message, you know, like being like messengers We're messengers We're explaining what's happening in, 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 you know, um, marginalized communities. And I feel that, uh, I wanted to kind of point out some things that, I, that were standing out to me, whether it was in politics or in just different social issues. So I think it was around 2000, 2008 where I, be, where I began that journey. And you've talked about before about, um, ind- indigenous rap in itself, mm-hmm. comparing it to, you know, the, the black rap, uh, mm-hmm. that it indigenous rap may be where black rap was 30 plus years ago. Where is that scene? And, you know, there may be a lot of people out there don't realize that it actually exists. Well, you know what? There's, there's some amazing artists out right now. So I think a lot changed with a group called Winnipeg's Most. Winnipeg's Most really was doing it big. Like I hosted an event for APTN in 2012 and Winnipeg's Most was the headliner and there were about 50,000 people in the atten- in attendance. And there were young kids trying to knock down the fence to get to Winnipeg's Most. And that's when I realized, okay, wow, we're 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 pivoting here. Um other groups that have followed in that in that same path have, have been Dreesus out of Calgary. He's originally from Saskatchewan. Uh Snotty Nose Res Kids out of Vancouver who've been extremely successful. You know, I think they've been nominated for three Polaris prizes. So, you know, when I say that we were 30 years behind, maybe maybe that's true because we're just starting to really make our mark on a more mainstream level. And I think that, you know, I want to celebrate the successes of my peers. So it's really great to see. Talk about your album. Who am I to judge? 
Tell who, me a bit about that. Who am I to judge? It's kind of a double entendre. It's, it speaks about, uh, like, who am I to judge, which is the typical saying, but it's also saying, who am I to judge? Because I feel that there's people out there who have some bad behaviors in life, whether it's men or politicians. I feel like I'm calling the, a lot of them out on this album. And, uh, yeah, the title track kind of covers that. People want to find out more about Plex and also maybe uh, where they can see you in person. Let's yeah, know. so I'm, I'm probably going to do a show, start doing shows again in, after January. I've got some traveling to do between now and then, but I'll be back here in January. So I'll start beginning to do more more bookings. Um, you can find me at newleafmusic.ca. That's where you can find out where to get the CD or the, or the vinyl. And also there's a song I did with uh, numerous rappers out of Barry. It was, uh, so you know Shaq's World? So Shanika, Shanika was confronted by a lady here in town and, you know, she experienced some, some racism. So I uh, had uh, numerous rappers who were doing a song and thought to include me because they knew I'm Barry. I'm living in Barry, so we did a song called Community where there's emphasis on the unity. I think it's, good. it's a good track. It'll probably drop, I'm guessing, late December. Thank you very much. Thank you. Indigenous hip-hop artist Plex in conversation with Barry 360's Ian McLennan. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian and MJ for their input and to Matt Ladder for piecing it all together. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About. Rate it. Review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on Facebook and Twitter at Barry360 and on our website, Barry360.com. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.